Sound effects are cool. Sound, yeah, yeah. So I can put these sound effects in. I wonder if that's legal. Can I just play that song at the beginning of our podcast? <laughs> I'm not sure, but do you know there's a there's a guy, a friend of mine, Nico Rono, who's a videographer for CrossFit and has been for about a decade. He's got a podcast, and the opening intro that he plays, it, it's Dave Castro's voice, and it goes, "The clock." Will save you not. It's from that one open announcement, and that's just that's the intro to his podcast. Oh, I love it. I think uh, Nico is he's a foreigner. Is he Euro? Denmark. Denmark. Yeah, yeah. I think he invited me to be on his podcast, and I think we scheduled a date. But as soon as I saw it was in May, I was just like, all right, I just ignored it. I guess I'll just wait for May to come. <laughs> I did some. Uh, I did some podcasts. Uh, we recorded some episodes last week. He and I. Oh, cool. You were a guest. Yeah, they're not out yet, though. Damn, he's scraping the bottom of the barrel. You want for us? You don't. Even have, you, don't yeah, you don't even have a thousand followers. Uh, nope. but I have more than oh, thirty-two, which you said I had on coffee pods and watts. Oh, is that what I said? <laughs> yeah, you're like I don't know why I like this guy. He's only got like thirty-two followers. Is that why you didn't give me a two thumbs up on that? You said I was. It was. I was scattered. It was scattered. You, two thumbs up. Yeah, I asked oh, you what you oh, thought oh. about the podcast. You said, oh, you were all over the place, or it was all over the place. Well, I think it's, you know, I think you're more That's comfortable asking the questions. So it's a not, oh. not, as com- not as familiar of a role for you. Good, I like that. You have you even have uh, my defense in place for me, too. It's good. You're a good dude. That's why you're a good wingman. Um, my favorite subject of all time, we're not having a guest today, people. We are going to talk about the European athletes who may or may not go to the 2021 CrossFit Games. I'm here with Brian. Brian, how do you know all this stuff? Um, you know? People ask me that a lot, actually. I, I don't know. I think there's just everyone has something that, that like easily sticks in their mind. You know, I have friends who can always recall the name of the actor in a movie and all the cast list, and I, I'm terrible at that. I mean, I know the big names, but I don't know necessarily what movies who everyone was in but for some reason when it comes to crossfit i i just remember like and i'm constantly adding to the uh i think the only studying i do is just like the work that i do so just the writing and the research and prepping for all these different things that's uh like that is the the application of that is the studying gotcha so when you're preparing to do commentary that's when you get your studying in yeah, it's, uh, you know, I've been doing this for myself before anyone ever asked me or wanted me, for, you know, to do any of it for them. I just like doing it. Well, that's weird. You're weird. Um, just so you know, if you have any porn windows open, I can see everything that's going on in front of you. That's right. I have With your glasses. Like glasses I wear at night. You have that picture behind you of, of a donkey, and it's funny because I just see a donkey, but so people DM me and they're like, "That's why do you have that donkey's ass, the donkey's butt behind over his shoulder?" You're, what What are you trying to say? But it's funny. I don't. Need, I mean, I, I just see a. I just see a guy on a donkey with a basket. I don't even look at the donkey's butt. I mean, you can kind of. It's a side profile. What? It's a more like hindquarters. Hindquarters. Yeah, that was uh, you know, from a, a memory of mine in the Dominican Republic when I was living there. About ten years ago, and it showed up in the painting. And and you put it, you chose that as your backdrop, right? Like I'm just sitting mean, in a chair at my space. desk with a computer. 
but you're like, Hey, I want to set my, my podcast studio with right over here because I want this donkey in there. Right. That was conscious. Well, or no, I didn't necessarily know I was going to do this many podcasts when I set it up. I had two choices of pictures that could fit in that space. This one. And then one of the, it's a puzzle of the Lord's supper that I did several years ago. And I really liked the way it looks. But I felt this would be less controversial to put in the background of all the videos that I was, you know, potentially making. Is the Lord's Supper, is that the, the final supper, you mean? The one where Jesus is in the middle and there's all these dudes flanking him on the right and left? I've never heard it called that, the Lord's Supper. Oh, the Last Supper. It's the Last Supper, Oh, right? the Last Supper, yeah, yeah, that's it, the Last Supper. Are you religious, dude? I wouldn't say so. Oh. You just like puzzles. Yeah, I'm, I, I used to be pretty good at puzzles I would, when I was doing them more. This is sort of about the CrossFit Games, and then we'll go straight into the regionals. I just wanted to give one little small rant here. I think a lot of people have a misunderstanding of what it means to be professional. On the very, very, very tip of the spear of what I think of professional is I think of people whose lives are in lives are in the hands of other people who ha- who are making decisions or the in the lives of other people's lives are in your hands with the decisions you make that would that would be the situation that would require someone to be the utmost in professional whatever that means i know i haven't even defined it but i'm going to sort of try to tell you what i think a professional is and and the reason why this comes up is is when i when i i hear people or see people saying negative things about Dave. There's there's two things that are, that they should really know. One, they have no idea what a professional is. A professional is what Dave did in his previous life. For 12 years he was a Navy SEAL. I, actually, that's not true. For 12 years he was in the Navy. I don't know how many years he was a SEAL, but when he when he finally did become a SEAL, he pursued it to its to to the end game, which was to become a SEAL Team 6 operator to be Dev Group. And there is no one more professional that I've ever met than Dave. What does that mean? That means that he treats things, even the smallest details to the biggest details, with the utmost clarity, highest level of communication, highest level of belief, highest level of organization, with the singular focus of getting the goal done. And so when people say stuff like, oh, he's doing this on his Instagram or he's he's not professional because he behaves like this or he did cornrows or, or they're nitpicking his behavior, that, uh, I, I implore you to look at yourself and your definition of professional because you don't know what professional is. Professional is not the guy who runs Major League Baseball or the CEO of Coca-Cola. Actually, that's sellout, no integrity that's consensus business. That's like someone who has an agenda other than getting the job done. And so it's not that Dave's not professional. It's that you don't recognize a professional. He was a professional at the highest level. People's lives were in his hands and in his teammates' hands. And he, not only was he like that, but he was surrounded by a cadre of other men who also practiced at that same level. So I implore you to look at your own definition of what you think professional is because what it what's really is is you don't recognize professional you're ignorant second i'm a huge fan of the ufc and and when when i'm watching the weigh-ins if dana white is not doing the weigh-ins i turn my head away and why is that i don't know i i, I it, 
But for some reason, Dana White is that part of the UFC. If I went to a live UFC fight, I would look at the fighters, but I would also look for where Dana White is sitting. And I would be excited to see Dana White get up and stand up and walk in the ring. And it's ex- whether you like him or you don't like him, he is the face of UFC, and we've grown accustomed to him, and we believe him and trust him, and he has integrity around the sport, around the way it's presented to the fans. And so I, I can't imagine anyone else in the CrossFit community that I know of, no one else I knew at CFHQ, who was better suited than that, suited for that than Dave. And he's been in that position, I don't know, for 15 years now running the CrossFit Games. And when he would walk into the stadium in Carson or in Madison, the entire stadium was looking at him. And why is that? Because he's the guy. And whether you like him or don't like him, you would be so bummed if Merkel walked in or some doofus walked in in a three-piece suit or just like some just poser. It's our guy. That's our SEAL Team 6 operator. That's our guy who worked hard. That's our guy who built it up from the foundation. That's our guy that doesn't mince words. Okay, I'm done. And I don't get paid to say this shit. Everyone knows I got fired from there. I got no skin in the game, and I'm not like... Uh, I like the athletes, but but this is... this this. There's an aura of Dave Castro around the games that's vital to the success of the games. Period. Don't be a dipshit. Don't be a hater. Look at yourself a little bit. Okay, sorry, Brian. Who does Europe? Does tell me about Europe? I mean, I always just want the Americans to win. Let's be let's be let's be honest. And the only reason why I'm doing this is because I, I've been itching to create another podcast, and because I got a DM. Um, you know, the European regionals are really or sanctionals or whatever they're called are really semifinals. Semifinals are very important to talk about. Can you talk about them? And then I called Brian. I'm like, hey, do you know anything about the European semifinals? He's like, actually, it's my favorite. It's close to my heart, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh, great. Here we go. So what's going on? How many semifinals are there in Europe? How many athletes? Let's just start at the the top. Two semifinals in Europe this year. It's going to be the Lowlands Throwdown in the Netherlands and the German Throwdown in Germany. But... They're both going to be virtual competitions. Oh, really? How are the Europeans uh, reacting to that? Are they pissed? Well, um, I'm sure some of them are because, like we talked about last time, there's certain athletes that benefit tremendously from having an online competition. And, uh, you know, some of the athletes who we expect to do the best in live competition are going to have to battle in a different way than they were hoping to if they want to make it to the games because it's very competitive. Uh, why, why would they do that? Is it for the obvious reason? There's the logistics issue because of uh, the whole COVID nightmare, COVID response. It's part of the COVID response, not like CrossFit athletes in the community gather. <laughs> Is that, I mean, that's what's There's going on. some very strict uh, you know, lockdowns and, and guidelines going on in Europe. I think that when they selected these particular countries, they were under the impression that there was a high likelihood they'd be able to have live competition. That much more quickly became obvious that wasn't going to happen in Germany. That was announced as one of the first ones to go virtually. And then a couple of weeks later, the lowlands were forced to do the same. Where, where are the lowlands? What, what country would that be in if they actually went there? The Netherlands. And 
when when you say virtual, are all of these virtual events on the same platform? Uh, well, there hasn't been any official announcement about that, but they've reshuffled the scheduling so that the first two weeks each have two live competitions. The third week has three virtual competitions. The final week has three virtual competitions and one live competition. So they've shifted the virtual ones to the back and grouped them all on the same weekends. My expectation is that the virtual competitions will be programmed by CrossFit and will be the same for all the online region, all the regions that have to be online or the competitions that have to be online. And, um, when you say, when you say they'll all be, they'll all be on the same, all the virtual competitions will happen at the same time over a two week period. Over a two-week period. And then some people will get, since there's different time zones, some people will get a heads up ahead of the others? I think that they're going to have to for the virtual ones if they do that 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 way, which to me, that's the way that makes the most sense for them to do it. Um, You know, there's a big debate in the competitive space anyway about whether the semifinals should all have uniform programming. A lot of the athletes feel like they should. Um, I think they should too. And, uh, you know, so... This can be a bit of an experiment, actually. You can spin it to be potentially positive if you say, okay, well, let's see. CrossFit's going to program something for these six competitions online, and the other five that are going live still, they'll have individual programming by whoever the programmer is for each event, and we can actually take a look and see how does CrossFit's programming for a potential uniform semifinal stack up or, or compare to uh, all these other ones. And I like, you know, Chase Ingram and Bill Grunler will do that. They'll analyze the program for all of the competitions and they may even ask to have me on the show and take a look at them and break them down and say which one was the best test. We did that this morning about quarterfinals and uh, stage one of the games, actually. Chase and Bill, that was Brian begging to be on your show. I was just on um, it this morning. So, <laughs> so when, when could, could the same region, and you may have already said this, could the same region have different workouts because there would be different events <clears throat> the same continent so so in the in north america there are four semifinals in europe there are two and yes the in, original intent was that each of those competitions would have their own programming crossfit was going to send them some kind of template dave has talked about it a couple times saying it might say you have to have this many workouts you need to have some in this time domain this time domain this time domain you need to have a triplet two couplets and whatever um those types of things. But then they would have freedom within the structure. So, yes, the competitions potentially could have been very different. You could have had one semifinal that on the had... Sa- on the same continent. On the same continent. On the same continent. And you could have had one that potentially had running and biking and swimming and another one that had none of those things. I don't know if I approve. I it's tough. I, I mean, there's, there are, in my opinion, there are certain things that you need to test before you get to the games. And in an online setting... It's very difficult to organize it and test running. But we know that the most frequently seen movement at the games is running. So you want, you have to evaluate that before they get there. They have to prove that they can run. You can't so how have do they do people showing up to how the do they games. Do that? How do they, they do did it for, um, they did it for uh, stage one of the CrossFit games. They had them do that um, nasty Nancy workout that involved five rounds of running, 400 meter runs. And did you do it on one of those true runners or something? I don't I don't exactly know. No, no, no. It was on a road. They oh, so they sent CrossFit sent judges to those athletes and they marked out a 400 meter course or a 200 down, 200 back course 
maybe it was 300 down, 300 back, whatever it was. And at the end of the course, they had like collars for the barbell. And so every time you had to go pick one up and bring it back. So the judge had already approved the distance and they said, okay, these collars are the ones they need to bring back. And that's how they were, you know, validating it. Wow. Okay. And um, will any of these virtual competitions actually have places where athletes congregate together and do them? Like, does that mean that like some, a gym in the Netherlands will be like, okay, we're doing it on this day. Come on down. I don't know to what degree, but I think so. I mean, I've already heard some rumors of some of the guys in uh, South America, you know, gathering two or three of the guys who are sort of at the top, like the favorites and doing the workouts together. Uh, I know, I mean, there's training camps that are organized for just for this type of thing. Now they might not all get their training partners there, but there's, Definitely a possibility of, of that happening. And how do the European athletes look this year? How are the men looking? What do you, do you have your, do you have a top 20 for that too? The same way you had from North America? Yeah, but they only get 10 spots at the games. Because and they I did only a, have two, because they only have two semifinals. Five. For yeah. Each. And, same, and the same, way that, okay. that that's determined is based on open registration in your continent. So historically, the U.S. represents half of the open registration based on this. That's where they get 20 of the 40 spots. Europe represents a quarter, and the rest of the world is the last quarter. So it's not on affiliate numbers. It's on registration. And it's not, and has nothing to do with how well the athletes in those regions do at the games. If it, if it was that way, I did a study on this actually. If they did it based on performance, Europe, the European women would be deserving of 13 places instead of 10, but the European men would only be deserving of nine. Sounds all right. Yeah. It's not, not, not oh, surprising. That would, those, let me check my numbers. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's exactly what I had. 9.2 and 13.7. Is that what you had? And you just rounded down for the women. And... Okay. So, so the cool thing, the the reason I wanted to say, say this right away, but after, you know, we got sidetracked. The really th- cool thing that I like about Europe as opposed to the U.S. is the diversity of the athletes, especially from of the countries they're coming from. So of the 60 men who are competing, they represent By the way, I call bullshit on that. Who gives a shit about diversity? But go on. No, it's we're cool. Looking for the, they we're come we're from 19 different the- countries. And they have no, no, no individual country has more than seven athlete, male athletes competing out of the 60. Well, it's okay, because like in the that. U.S. it's it is, boring. It, it's just North America. It's just U.S. and uh, Canada. We're just, we just want the fittest. It just, it just makes me sick when people – you triggered me. You triggered me. I apologize. I do think that is actually really cool to have 19 different countries there if they're deserving. Well, that's what we're going to find out. All right. But what I, you know, what I like even more is that when I project who's going who's gonna to qualify, there's still a lot of diversity. It's not like there's – 19 countries represented, but eight of the 10 people are coming from one country. You wanted to start with the men? Please. Unless you have something about women, you'd like to start with them first. It's better to start with the men. The women in Europe are potentially the most interesting, you know, congregation of athletes in the entire world. Um, The men, there's, in my opinion, there are two guys that are kind of head and shoulders above everyone else, and those are B- Bjorgman, Carl Gumansen, and Yonikowski. Um, so I kind of have them as like the one and one A in Europe right now. And really from that point on, you know, there's a lot of parody. There's a lot of uh, young guys that are like, I think, poised to make a big move. And then there's some older guys that are, you know, looking to prove that they're still relevant. So 
The next guy I have on my list is Frederick Agidius. He's obviously a veteran. Um, after him, I've got four young guys, though. Lazar Dukic, he's from Serbia. Georgios Karavis from Greece. Andre Hude from Denmark. And Uldis Upinex, who's been like the five or six times in a row fittest guy in Latvia. All these guys are young. They've got a lot of experience, though. They've done well in some major competitions. Lazar Dukic was top five in Dubai. Georges Karavis was top five at strength and depth. Andre Hude has competed at uh, Filthy 150. Um, Uldus Upinex has been to the Games, actually, in 2019 as a uh, one of the national champions. And he did okay. I mean, obviously, it was very difficult to make the top ten and get any recognition, but he made it to, through about 30th place. That means so he made it past guys, the first day? He made it past the first day, yeah. And then one, I think he got... He was able to do one more event, the Ruck, and then he got cut after the, what is it, the sprint couplet. Did he do better than Vellner or Fikowski? One one cut worse than Fikowski, two cuts worse than Vellner, but they all went home on the same day. Gotcha. Good company. Well, actually, Vellner made it till that, that, that Saturday morning. So was that 10 names you just gave me? Because like, no, as soon as you start saying the foreigners' names, I just, I just check out. <laughs> That was seven. So After that, I do ones. have a couple. Uh, I do have a couple veterans: Elliot Simmons and Adrian Munviller in eighth and ninth. And then the guy I have in tenth is Joshua Alchama. He's a young guy out of the UK. Oh, he's been around a little bit, but he's out of the UK and he's living and training in Dubai right now. Put Elliot Simmons higher up on the ranking. That's a name I can say. Um, <laughs> Rush. How come I didn't hear any Russian names? Weren't there some crazy threats coming out of Russia? Is, is Russia part of Europe? No. So Russia has been redistributed into the Asian continent. And that's why a few few months ago I wrote an article saying that the road to the games in Asia goes through Russia. Okay. And just, I I know this isn't about the Asian um, semifinals, but are are there any Russians who are going to, are going to make it? Well, I mean, Roman Krennikov and Alexander Ilin are probably the two favorites amongst the men there, but Roman most likely won't be able to get to the United States again. Uh, I don't know. There's a couple other guys that have done really well. There's this guy, Stas Solodov. He's amazing in an online competition. Asia's already um, been announced as going virtual, so I would say he stands to benefit greatly from that and could make a push. So, yeah, I'd, I'd expect we see at least one Russian male at the Games. And um, same thing on the female side. I have three of the top four girls being from Russia in in Asia. So um, before we get back up to uh, Europe, one more question about our show. You said Roman might probably couldn't come again you mean he qualified before to come to the united states for the games and, and he couldn't make it what was what was the hang-up a visa no can't talk about it oh really it's not, it's, uh, not it's not the current situation it is mafia still. what no. <laughs> criminal activity Chechnya? no 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 what what so he, uh, yeah, he, he most he, likely won't be able he te- to. He tested positive? No. He competed last year at the games because it was virtual. So he was able to compete. But, but if he had made the top saying- five, he wouldn't have been able to get to California. And yes, the year before he was unable. 2018, he won the European regional, but he didn't get to go to the games because of, uh, just tell you know. me why you can't tell me. Tell, you don't have to tell me why he can't come. Tell me why you can't tell me he can't come. It's inappropriate. I don't know if it's supposed to be known. Sexist. It's racist. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. All right. So you have insider information. We'll talk. We'll know. talk off. We'll talk off here. Okay. So 
How do you have any concerns about what's going on in Europe when we see three guys whose names we've seen just forever and ever? Is there not development going on in Europe within CrossFit? How are how are uh, Goodmanson, Koski, and Koski, who looks like he's had some serious injuries in the past that that made it look like he probably could never make it back to the games? I mean, a back back injury is serious. And then, and then Frederick Gideus, who's like a father, and, and I mean, you have him in the top three, and he's he's kind of he's kind of like a, the stepping stone of CrossFit Games athletes. You know what I mean by that? Like he shows up there just so the good guys have someone to compete against. How is how are these guys sticking around so long? He's got a great body. He's got a great body. I want to say, I mean, one of the um, finest in the business. You know, there's I I think about this question all the time, and we are still in the experiment. We still don't know how long a, an athlete can stay relevant in the sport, and that length of time is is never gonna. I think it'll never be longer than it is now, because of how young the sport is. So these guys just have such a massive base of experience in all the things that are relevant. They've seen it all. They've done it all. They've made the mistakes. They've made this had the success. They've had the injuries. They've bounced back from it. They've navigated changes in their life. They know what it's like to line up against guys that intimidate them. They know what it's line up to guys that are intimidated by them. They've, you know, they've narrowly missed making it at a, at a regionals and felt that heartbreak. They felt the complete opposite when they do qualify. So they just have so much of that, not to mention just the hours and years and, you know, massive amount of training that they've done that you just can't replicate that. You know, occasionally you get a, a physical specimen that's so out, such an outlier that can come up at a young age and break in. But it's rare. It usually takes time, and these guys have already established that foundation. If they're in a good rhythm where they're not injured and they have a good understanding of what kind of training volume they can handle, yeah, they're hard to beat. There are some things now in the CrossFit Games that matter that didn't matter as much before. You have to also be able to do some things that are even some of the greatest athletes in the world can't do like walking on your hands, the exceptional work with double unders, GHDs. I mean, there's some things that pop up that are just like these people have really honed the skill of doing these activities that, you know, even a guy who's like a talented athlete, never done double unders, you might give him the rope and he might be able to knock off 20 and you're like, damn, but 200 in a row. And, and now we, now you have to, you have to have trained that. And so, I also, I also, I, I use that as an example to kind of agree with what you're saying. Yeah, there's not only if even if you are an amazing specimen at a young age, like if you haven't been training these things, there's guys who are less capable than you who are better than you. True. I mean, it happens at a micro level in affiliates all the time. You know, I'm not very good, but I can do all the skills. And so there's guys that come in with way more physical potential than me. But even after two and three years of training, they're you know they're just they're keeping up with me. It's just because I've been doing it longer. Do you see any of these three guys as as, as a threat to um, the podium or first place? Uh, Goodmanson, Kosky, or Gidis? Oh, you do. Yeah, BKG and Yonikoski, I view as uh, legitimate top five threats this year. And, and why? What have you seen different in them now? Is that is that because you looked at their open scores, or what do you see? Makes no, no, they're open and they're open and quarterfinal performances are completely irrelevant, as with all the people who can threaten for the podium. Um, <clears throat> I disagree. Well, BKG with that. is perennial top five material. I mean, last year okay. he finished eighth in the stage one by like ten points or something. He missed from being in the top five, and that was just. I mean, it's incredibly tight on both the men's and women's sides. There, you know, the next four spaces, five spaces out was within ten or fifteen points of being in. It was, in my opinion. 
you know, I know that they had to do what they had to do, but like if they had been able to take 10 athletes, I think that it would have worked a lot better. Um, but they could only have five. So that's how it is. Anyway, BKG, yeah, he's Why do always you say a that? Why do you think it would have worked better? You mean you're saying that if you ran the games, you would have let in the top 10? No, not necessarily, because I don't know what restrictions they were having to navigate around. But the, the competition is so tight, four through 10, that you are missing out on a ton of drama and, and athletes who, in my opinion, no matter what the format, are deserving to be in that competition on both the men's and women's sides. If you go down to like 20th place, 20th to 30th, even in the teens, there's it was a big drop-off after like 9 or 10 on both sides, and there was very, very little margin between 4 and 10. Um, that's valid, and I like that. Um, you know, off subject here, I was just picturing in my head, I thought Street Horner was a European athlete, and I saw him, he was in Jacob Hepner's, uh, uh one of his posts, and he made a comment, and I said to him, hey, I'd love to have you on my podcast if you do speak English. And, but because I really did, I thought he was a foreigner. I thought he was a European. And he, I mean, he responded nicely, but I was like, wow, I wonder if he thought like I was an insult. Cause like, if that was just like sarcasm, but it wasn't, but when, the Street reason Horner why is a, a fascinating case though, he's not in, in, the, in what he, regard he's not in the top one twenty. but there's speculation that there's going to be backfilling and he'll probably get in. And once why, he gets in, is he? 125. Okay. It'd be close, but if he does get in, is there go, is there going to be backfilling? It seems that way. CrossFit published an article last night that said there would be. And what? And what? Give me some circumstances that would uh, let, so people who don't understand what we mean by backfilling. We're saying 120 people are going to qualify for the games, and 15 people might summer, not be able to show up. And tell oh, yeah. t- tell me, tell me what reasons why? What are some of the reasons why someone who qualified wouldn't go to the games? I mean, we know Roman, oh. the mysterious reason. So we no, have, not we to have, the games. Missed- they, this not to the games. This <clears throat> they won't compete in the semifinals because they're going to compete on a team. Oh, okay. So we won't even see them compete. You have to okay. decide before the semifinals. There's <clears throat> athletes who competed and qualified as an individual and also as a member of a team. There's some that qualified as an individual and also qualified as a masters athlete. So they may, you know, they may choose they or be forced to choose one route or the other at this point in the season. I need to draw a pyramid and look at this. Okay, so what you're saying is the Street Horner hasn't even qualified for the semifinals yet, but at the but le- if even he though gets they're in, in three, he'll be a threat three, to go to the games. Right, and he's three weeks away. Three, three four, four weeks, weeks away, away from, uh, from the first potential one, yeah. And, okay, okay, I feel you. So my, my point was going to be is that if you look at the – I thought Street Horner was European because he just looks so clean and like – fastidious and just like so tight and like like he just looks like a european like a gideous looks that way too you know what i mean just like everything perfect and then in the middle of like their hygiene's impeccable and then in the middle you have the americans and then then you have the canadians and their hygiene's just all whack (laughs) look at look at velner (laughs) so um Okay. Okay. Let's get let's get back on track here. So yeah, good. I, matter of fact, there was one year where I thought Goodmanson might actually win the games. So so I get him. How about Yanikowski? Isn't he kind of like yeah, he can win an event, but he eventually shits the bed. He just doesn't seem well rounded, as opposed to the other guys. He definitely is more so of a. Peak, uh, he's the opposite of BKG. I mean, BKG is one of these guys that'll never have a top five finish, but he'll never have anything outside the top twenty either. 
He's just 8th, 10th, 9th, 11th, 8th, you know, over and over again. Yonikowski is good for a 1st, a 3rd, and a 5th over the course of the weekend, but he's also good for a 35th, a 37th, and a 40th over the course of the weekend. That's the that's a problem. I don't think he's going to have that problem this year. I think that he's gotten stronger in the areas he needs to get stronger in. He had a knee surgery in 2018, or maybe two knee surgeries, took that year off, and I feel he's been more pragmatic and um, mature in his approach to training uh, so that he's more prepared for the um, like the, the stress and duration of the competitions when he needs to do them. I endorse both of, both of them. The time I spent with both of them, they're both amazing guys. Gentlemen's be great champions. Easy to interview, smiley, good looking. Okay, and what about Frederick Egidius? Why do you have him on there? Isn't that isn't he like way way past his prime? How old is he? Like forty two. Frederick Egidius is one of only two men who's placed inside the top one hundred every year in the Open since it started. Wow. The other one. Wow. Yeah. Tell me who's the other one. You know. Oh, Froning. Froning. That's some company to be in, right Man. there. Man. Frederick, I take everything back. I said, that is freaking crazy. I owe that stat to Nico. he knows that? Yeah, probably because oh, nice, Nico, Nico knows it. And Nico and him are friends. Man, that is some impressive shit. I need, I need some sort of stat where me and Froning are alone in it. <laughs> That's, yeah, that, that, I'll see what I can do. I'll see if I can dig something up for you. <laughs> You can run an algorithm. And... Okay. Is there anything else you want to say about the men before we, we go over to the most interesting group of CrossFit athletes in the world? Yeah, just just to say that there's a lot of other men in Europe who can definitely take spots from those guys. It's not It's not a sure thing at all. That's just the guys I have in the top 10. But there's another group of 10 to 15 guys behind that, and if they – pop up in the top 10 it won't surprise me and we won't be disappointed at the games there's a lot of of young guys that are starting to be very good in europe i think you've 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 uh you've convinced me of that and you presented that case well the, the sport is like one by split seconds it, it that's amazing what you said about uh six through ten how close they all are four through ten okay let's talk about the women who is in europe what if you moved out of Europe? Are you still in Europe? Yeah, it's citizenship. Where you're born? How do they decide this? Citizenship. It's, it's okay. citizenship, and it's a hard line. And actually, I believe you know CrossFit's in the process of validating citizenship. They're taking that very seriously. So yeah, if you're uh, Katrin David's daughter who lives in Boston, you are still competing in uh, the European one of the European semifinals. Now, because they're both virtual. She's not going to have to have the stress of how do I get over there? How do I navigate the quarantining rules and all these other procedures? So she's got that stress off her back, which is, I would say, wow, is a huge I'm, plus for her. However, it just caused me to speculate that there's some inside, that there's some home cooking going on for the reason why that the European ones are done virtual. Sam Briggs also okay. is living in the U.S., so she can avoid all those complications. But I would say that in general, both Katrin and Sam would rather compete live like not like a landslide would rather compete live than online even if, even if they could save the journey over the pond yeah there i mean when you talk about athletes who thrive in a in a live competition setting they're at the top of the list okay 
So give me give me these top ten women. Top ten it women. Sounds like you're gonna want. It sounds like you may even want to go twenty because you're saying it's so damn good. It is, but what you're gonna see here is even even though the women's field in Europe is 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 very deep and very good, the best girls are still the best girls. And you're gonna recognize a lot of these names because they're deserving of this accolade until until the young guns can can start penetrating this. So I have, I've got Kristen Holt at the top. She's 35 years old. She's master's eligible this year, but she's the epitome of consistency. I've got Katrin right behind her. You know, Katrin finds a way. She always finds a way to be right up there at the top of her semifinal, regional, whatever it is. And she, she's been the most consistent outside of Tia in the top five in the past six years at the games. You're like, we can't take that away from her. Behind them, I have Laura Horvath. Laura, I've, you know, Everyone knows that she's got incredible potential in a majority of things. And historically, there's basically been one thing that holds her back. And it's, and that seems like that weakness is kind of narrowing and narrowing. And, uh, she just won the quarterfinals in Europe. She seems to be happy. I think she's out uh, training now in, um, uh, in Mallorca with her brother. And, uh, actually the girl who's fifth on my list, Gabriella Magala is training over there too. And in between them, I have Annie Thor's daughter. She's coming back from pregnancy, and she just, I mean, I never thought I would have her this high on the list. She's over-exceeded, uh, from what I know, her own expectations in both the Open and quarterfinals. Like, she didn't think that she would be this far along in her training, and she's loving it and doing very, very well. I thought she'd be a bubble athlete for this because of the timing coming out of the pregnancy, but she's con- totally con- convinced me at this point that she's, uh, you know, still a real force in Europe. So those are the top five. You don't have Sam to, Briggs in there. She's coming up. I need a, I need a walk, drink of water. Um, two questions from what you just said. Uh, what is Laura Horvath's weakness, and what country is Kristen Holte from? I thought she was American. I thought she lived in... Kristen is from Norway, and there are okay. uh, several young Norwegian athletes. Is that close to Cookville? <laughs> yeah, it's a short flight. There are several other Norwegian athletes up and coming looking to, to make a breakthrough as well. Um, but she's still the, uh, she's still the top athlete over there for me. I mean, she has Jackson a size, Dahlstrom she has is a up. size problem, right? Kristen Holt has a size problem. I don't think so. I mean, she's, you huh? look at what she's done at the games. She's top 10, um, you know, four, four years running or something like that. By that, I mean, if she was 10 pounds, if she was two inches taller and 10 pounds heavier. We might be looking at across the games champion. Potentially. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I don't think she's that, you know. Yeah, you might be right. She might be. She might be. I mean, she seems she's I, I, I don't I can't think of too many cross the games athletes I've ever said this about besides Josh Bridges. She's petite. I don't think she's that much smaller than like Carrie Pierce. OK. All right. All right. Take your word on it. I mean, I've only seen him on. I don't. I, I don't. I don't remember what she looked like in person. The typical. I mean, the average. The, the average videos. woman at the games is like five four, five four and a half. I bet she's five two and a half or five three. I mean, you could go back to the first games. I mean, Jolie's petite, a little taller, skinnier than Kristen Clever is definitely petite. Yeah, Camille is not not very big at all. True. True. I don't know if I'd give her petite. I didn't say Okay, that. so sorry. So so Nor- Norway, she comes and she's got a bunch of young guns on her tail. And then what about Laura Horvath? What what's her weakness? Well, p- people always say it's handstand push-ups, but it's not just handstand push-ups. At this point, I think it needs to be 
a strict deficit handstand push-up on parallettes that is the only thing that's really going to stop her. You said that like you're talking to someone, Dave. Strict handstand push-ups. So you're saying that her, her handstand push-ups are world-class now and she can compete with the best of them? No, but she they won't prevent her from, from earning the spot that she's capable of on the leaderboard anymore. Okay. They're good enough yeah. now. That's like, this is the thing that uh, CrossFit athletes need to, you know, should realize at this point because it's been proven is in certain capacities, you just need to be good enough. And then they probably realize it. I just don't realize it. (laughs) I hope that they, that they realize it. Yeah. And tell me about Gabrielle. What was her name? Your fifth pick? Gabriella Magala. So she, she actually podium as a teenager at the games a few years ago. I think it was 2017. She's been, you know, competing in some big competitions around the world. She's from Poland, fittest in Poland. She bowed out in event number one at the CrossFit Games, the first cut, because she she also has one big weakness, which is upper body pulling. It's a little broader than Laura's, but she's also a little younger than Laura. And um, the legless rope climbs just, you know, basically took her out. I had her projected top 20 that year. She didn't make it through the first event, you know, Depending on where that event falls, she, you know, if she was able to do several of the other events, we would have got to see what she could do. But you know, we didn't get to. This year we'll get. If you to, had I a think. if you had a weakness, uh, rope climbs or handstand pushups, and you had, in which one would you rather have? Uh, I think that rope climbing is more fun. Uh, I mean, but let me. So I'll tell you, I would rather have rope climbing be my weakness because I think it's easier to do. If handstand push-ups are your weakness, I think you have a little more work to do. It's like They're, it's a. Yeah. What do you think? You yeah, uh, I they are they are my weakness. I'm not very good, especially at strict handstand push-ups. Very hard for me. I have long arms, and I'm just don't have the greatest. I don't have. I have terrible upper body pressing strength, and it, and I work on it all the time. And it's been years and years, and I'm still way 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 below par on that. So yeah, I would think like the, the vast majority of people could improve more quickly doing legless rope climbs. How are Laura Horvath's legless rope climbs? She's fine. She's fine on the uh, upper, upper body pulling. She's fine. All right. That shows a wrap. No, no. <laughs> Tell me, what what else do you got about the women before I start talking about Dave again? The last five girls I have in the qualifying spots are, uh, and actually I'm a little nervous about this one because she's online has proven to be very difficult for her, but Karen Freyova is a legitimate athlete in our sport. She's very, very good. And, um, I really hope that she makes it through to the games because in the, at the game setting in a season where she gets to actually finish the games, I think she's got top 10 potential. Uh, Sam Briggs, I still have up there in seventh. Emma McQuaid from Ireland, very good in online competition, very fit individual. Ben, she, you know, she was knocking at the door of the game, sixth place in regionals one year, very close. Camilla Solomonson Hellman, I think she's, you know, Often forgotten amongst the European women, but she's a she's a mainstay at the games, man. The past several years, she's always been there. She's very good, very consistent. She just she finishes like 18th to 25th, so you don't recognize it, but she's there every year. And then the last spot I'm giving to Turi Helga daughter. She's another super super consistent athlete, and another one. When she gets to the games, she finishes in the top half of the field. So she just you know it's it's harder for her to get there out of Europe than it is to beat half the women at the games. I want to go back to another question. I can't remember if you answered or not. I apologize if you did. Just tell me no. You're not going to answer it again. But when we were talking about reasons for to not 
so so all of these people are going to compete that you said all all 10 of those people along with uh 20 more how, how many people are how many people? 60 the 60 total 60 in in each virtual event or both 30 total? and 30 okay so those 60 people are going to compete and there's going to be um 10 women who go total from that 60 yep and so we were talking about reasons why those 10 might not end up going to the games. And we, we, we already mentioned Roman. What are some other reasons? Oh, no, to the games that I think they, you know, they would all go. Uh, don't, it's, I guess if they couldn't get here. Okay. Travel so that, restrictions. So okay. And, and what reason why wouldn't they do the semifinals? Oh, yeah. Because if they were going to compete on a team, we talked and, about and, that. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm just slow. Bear with me here. And when when is the team stuff going down? It already happened. The quarterfinals already happened last weekend, and uh, the semifinals will happen the same weekend as the individuals. That's why you can't do both. Ah, uh, I sense you're getting a little short with me. Like you're like, dude, you still haven't figured this out. No, no, I realized I should have added that in because it was the kind of the final clarification piece. Okay. And were there any surprises on the teams? Well, the surprise on the teams is that you can't navigate the CrossFit Games site to find out who actually competed on the teams. <laughs> you can't? <laughs> no, I made a four-minute uh, Instagram video explaining why this is what you can find out and what you can't find out and why it's a problem for people like me that are trying to tell the stories of the athletes who are competing in, and doing incredible things. And which is funny about that, and I, and you know this is close to home. There used to be there used to be a media team, and one of the reasons why the media team was removed was because the jughead who was in charge at the time thought that it was more imp that the outside world could tell our story, and that we didn't need to tell our own story anymore. But but what you're saying is is the data is not even there if you wanted to. There are a lot of people trying to tell the stories of the athletes, of the sport, of the community, of the methodology, of the company. Uh, and there's some information that's really easy to get. There's some that's hard to get. And there's some that if CrossFit doesn't make it accessible, no one will ever have. They have the rights to it. They collect it. They format how it's, um, you know, re you know, researchable by someone like me. And in the case of the team, competition this past weekend i cannot click on a team and know who the athletes that competed on that team are with any certainty and that's like a super to me is a super important thing to know and also a really easy fix in, in terms of the formatting on the computer you literally have to add one word competitors alternates <laughs> that's it and then everyone and can know and then that would let you also talk about the individuals more also. It's not it's not only damaging to the conversation around the teams, but it's as you were stating, it's very relevant to the individual competition. Yeah, I mean, I could go to Instagram and search this team and try to see if they posted a video and see if I can identify who the athletes are. But, you know, on the team side, even someone who does have this information locked in their head pretty well, it's very hard to know everyone because there's so many. You know, usually at the games, there's a total of 80 individual athletes, but there's there's what 40 teams of, of four or six there's like you know three to five times as many of them it's hard to know them all when you when you say alternates what does that mean do you take the alternate with you to the games 
So they can, in the open, you could list as many people from your affiliate as you want on your team. For this quarterfinals, you had to narrow it down to two men and two women who were your competitors and one man and one woman if you wanted to. You don't have to have alternates that are listed as your alternates. And the alternates are there in case someone gets injured, basically, but not if they're injured in the competition. Once you start the competition, you have to finish with the four people you have. But if in the week leading up to it, you were to get injured, then I could I could fill in and we could say, yep, Brian's in, Savan's out. So could you you could put the alternate in for the semifinals, but could you put the alternate in, let's say after the semifinals someone gets injured, could you put the alternate in for the games? Yeah, so the alternate is always uh, an option throughout the season. And even in, in, let's say, in the case that you were injured I and I competed and we qualified and then you got healthy, you could come back in at the games. Wow, they sound very flexible. I think that it makes sense. I mean, the, the the worst situation is that you have a team who's been training, training, ready to compete, and then two days before the game, someone tweaks something, and then the other three athletes are just stranded. So at least you have that option. Even if it's not your best person, it's it's a person that you can feel at the games and still still give the other people the opportunity to compete. When you look at these 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 uh, men and women that you said who are going. That your picks for the the European uh, semifinals. Do you see any of these people in your final pick this year? Um, I know it's a little early to commit to anything, but do you suspect any of these people will be on the podium at the games? Goodmanson, Koski, uh, Gideus, Holte, um, David's daughter, or Horvath? Uh, I think it's more likely that we'll see actually I think it's a tough question. I like Tia and Kara. I mean, I just think they're kind of have, have, you know, they're the ones to beat right now. So I think that only leaves one podium spot on the women's side. And I think they're, you know, the, the best European woman probably has like the inside path to that spot. So I think that there's a good chance we'll see a European there. Now, there's some girls in the U.S. that can threaten that spot for sure. We saw last year, you know, Carrie By Pierce, that spot, you mean third place? Third place. Yeah. Carrie. Uh, Haley Adams, Brooke Wells, Amanda Barnhart, Danny Spiegel. Like there are many athletes who have the potential to be threatening for those top five, top three position. But, you know, Holta, David's daughter, Horvath, Thor's daughter, on a given weekend, Karen Freyova, Sam Briggs, like they're all in that conversation too. So there's a lot of opportunity from Europe on the women's side. You know, it's interesting when you say Haley Adams' name. It, it, I don't think it would be stupid to say, hey, one year she's going to show up to the games and just fuck shit up, and we're going to be blown away that she's going to smoke to you. Like, holy shit. I mean, she really looks that good combined with her young age, right? Her inexperience, her lack of full development as a human being physically. But You're, you're forgetting one thing. Yes. Oh, her I, training partner. The team she trained. I don't know Go if on. I've ever met an athlete who's more mentally tough and mentally fierce than her. And I mean and I I mean that she is a different breed mentally. And is she mean? Is she nice? I've never met her. She's incredibly nice and she's incredibly mean in competition. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, I saw something. I don't remember what it was. I mean, she present everything I saw, she presented very nice, pleasant young lady, but there was something I saw where I'm like, "Oh shit. This chick is cutthroat." She rode a marathon row in Rich's barn with no music and no one else doing it and never got off the rover by herself. 
and that's when he decided, yes, you can train with me. She competed at the games this last year with a badly sprained ankle and never said a word about it to anyone. She's 19 years old. And I mean, like, if you're 19 years, I'm, I'm 33 years old. I want to, if I have a rolled ankle and I'm competing against you, I'm going to tell everyone about it. You're going to, you're going to call the, <laughs> your, your, your competitor's parents and tell them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, she, she's definitely, uh, so, so, but, but I also thought that when, when young Sarah Sigmund's daughter came on the scene, I saw her doing stuff at the games and I was like, holy shit, this is the next Rich Froning. Like, yeah, but, but, well, did, no, but, no, but remember what Rich said. He what? said 90% of the games is mental. Everyone at the games has a physical capacity or at least 30 out of the 40 have the physical capacity to win, to do well. But they don't all have the mental. That's why the live competition is mandatory. That's why the virtual competition will never be, in my mind, on the same level as a live competition and what you can do when the chips are down. There's nowhere else to go. You can't hide from the conditions. You can't pick what time you do the workouts. You have to go against the guy who wants to kill you. And you know it. And there's people who can thrive in that environment and others who, who it's not that they don't thrive. They're just not as good. And it's all, it's mental. Does Haley Adams eventually take the throne from Tia? Well, I think Haley can win at the games. Um, I don't know if she'll be the first person to win after Tia doesn't win, but she's 20 years old. I think she'll win at least one games of the next before she's 26. Let, let me say this. Without looking at hardly any of the data except her age and where she trains, you could conceivably say that she has a greater room to improve than her peers. Yeah, especially so because... What we see year to year will probably be bigger improvements on her part than her peers. I mean, I just, I just wrote an article for South China Morning Post about her. Her quarterfinal performance was world-class. She had f- finishing placements in North America of 1st, 3rd, 5th, and 27th, and then 517th in the front squat. If you take her best four performances, that's only 36 points. And in the workout she was 27th, it was that sprint workout at the end of the of the competition. It was like a two-and-a-half-minute two workout. And you know from regionals, like those workouts, you can be world-class but finish 20th because it's like five seconds. So I'm not even, you know, she smashed all the other workouts. And the front huh. squat's the front squat. The thing about the front squat is there's – Thousands of people competing in the quarterfinals. So if you're bad in that event, you're really punished for it on the leaderboard. So she's just kind of casually sitting there, 33rd in North America. No one's thinking about her, and that's how she wants it to be. And when it, when there's more tests, you'll see her right up at the top. How many points did she have with those four workouts? 36 points, not including the front squat? 36. If you look at Amanda Barnhart, who won the um, the continent for North America quarterfinal, her total points was 104. Her best four workouts were 62, 26 points worse than Haley. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. And is Haley Adams petite? Is she, little, is she small? She got a, uh, she I mean, a frame she's, can... she's five, five, I think. So she's a, like, a, I think a really good height for a competitive yeah, uh, athlete. That's a grown, that that's a grown ass man. Five, <laughs> five. Well, maybe the guys that you do podcasts with usually. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything you want to say to close with? No, just, uh, you know, I, I agree with a lot of the stuff you said about Dave. Um, sometimes I'm critical about decisions that the CrossFit Games team makes, but, you know, they're all, they're, I'm also always aware that they're forging uh, a sport and they're, you know, they're not, not, they're not 
intentionally making mistakes. They're trying to, they're trying to figure out what the best solution is. And sometimes they have some really difficult decisions to make. I do think that they could be better at listening to some of the outside feedback in terms of, of getting to a, a better place sooner at, at times. But, you know, overall, they're a company that when push comes to shove, they get it done. They make it happen. It's generally been good and I'm supportive of them. I know I'm going to get shit on for this, but I disagree about the outside feedback. Outside feedback is horrible. Well, <laughs> and maybe, and maybe one of the reasons why is because there's so much of it. So you have to sift through it and there becomes a, there becomes a, I'm not saying they should listen to everything that comes from the outside, but I think there course. are a couple voices in, in the space that are regularly contributing positive thoughts and that CrossFit should have their kind of ear to the, to the street, so to speak, and trying to pick out those couple of voices and, and select them and talk to them. Even if they don't give a shit about them, just listen and, and, and make them feel like they got heard. Yeah. And then six months later, pawn your, their off ideas your own. <laughs> you would, you would do great in corporate America. <laughs> well, that's what happens all the time because, you know, People like ideas to be their own. This happens unintentionally at times. I'll hear you say something. I'll forget that you said it. Six months later, I'll, I'll have an idea and I'll think it's my own idea, but really you've planted that seed in me. And then I carry forward with it. And, you know, there's times that that happens intentionally. I am convinced there's times it happens and the person has no idea they're doing it. Of course. Of course. 90% of what comes out of my mouth was inspired by something my wife told me, <laughs> but I, but I'm fully aware of it. I stopped. That's good.